Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of The Zero Hour. This episode stars Dick Sargent. Dick Sargent is probably best known as being the second Darren on Bewitched. He took over for actor Dick York, who's back had had problems for years and just could not do the uh, daily work necessary on Bewitched and so they switched to actor Dick York and he did a solid job with that. Dick York had uh, been acting on television since 1954. He had a couple series that each ran for about a year and then uh, he appeared on multiple, multiple shows and then uh, been on Bewitched and he stopped doing Bewitched in 1972. It was canceled. And so this is a couple of years after that. He would continue acting pretty much up until his death in 1994. Uh, he was 64 years old. And I was surprised he was so young at his death. And the fact that he just seemed to have been around for so long, I would have thought he was older than that. So he'd been acting on television since at least his 20s and uh, been in, you'll see him pop up in any shows you watch, Marcus Will BMD, Adam 12, uh, Columbo, Love Boat, Fantasy Island, um, Love American Style, I mean, he was just all over the place doing uh, guest stars. Uh, anyway, without further ado, here is Dick Sargent in Zero Hour. cameras and Breck shampoo. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Oh, you're scared. I can see your hand shaking. Yeah, your head is shaking. All right, I'm going to count up. One, two, three, four, five, five, eight. Oh, no. What's the matter? You win. Oh, 
Come, you shot first. I shot my foot. <laughs> I'll take five prints. The Kodak Pocket Instamatic Camera. You can get big, sharp, clear pictures from the camera that slips into your pocket. You'll never have to leave it behind. The Kodak Pocket Instamatic Camera. Wait, I, I want a rematch. Of a duel? Forget no, it. Come on. I'll shoot your good side, all right? Oh, Let's go. Ready? ready? One, two, One, two, three. Ha! Gotcha! Hey, you shot me in the back. That's right. That's your good side. <laughs> A jury has spent many hours deciding the fate of an accused man. In a hot, stuffy courtroom, the spectators and the attorneys for the defense and the prosecution await the verdict. A side door is opened, and the jury returns to the box. The air is tense as the clerk calls upon the foreman of the jury to rise. Intoning with an indifference born of rote, he asks, How say you? Do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. I'm Milton Dresden. I'm a district attorney of a sizable city like many you know of. My office had spent months building up a case against a known criminal, and we thought that getting conviction would be as routine as Hank Aaron hitting a homer. But Hank probably has his bad days, and we'd had ours. The morning after the jury acquitted Brad Butler... My assistant, Rick Bundy, did exactly what I figured he'd do. Chief, did you see the paper this morning? I sure did. We got clobbered, didn't we? Look at that picture right on the front page. It's disgusting. A ten-year-old kid would have convicted Brad Butler on that evidence. Unfortunately, ten-year-old kids aren't eligible for jury duty. Yeah, one good thing, Chief. Even though the editorial blasted the verdict, they emphasized that it wasn't your fault. That gives me some comfort, but uh, little satisfaction. Yes? Oh, Mrs. Golden, to see you. Uh, regarding what? Uh, something to do with the Butler trial yesterday. What do you suppose that is? Mm -hmm. Have her come in, please. Stick around, Rick. Mrs. Golden? Yes. You are... I'm uh, Milton Dresden. Uh, this is Mr. Bundy. How do you do? Hello. Uh, please be seated. Mr. Bundy's my assistant. Anything you discuss in his presence will be treated as though it's with me. What can I do for you? Actually, I thought I might do something for you. And, of course, for us citizens. No. Yes. I think there's something suspicious about that verdict in the Butler case. I was on the jury. I'm interested. Uh, do you mind if I record what you have to say? It won't be made public without your permission. I think what I have to say should be on record. However, I might be in big trouble if certain people knew I'm telling you these things. Don't worry. We'll be most discreet. Well, first of all, in the beginning, most of us in the jury believed Butler was guilty of the murder, but there was one man who insisted he wasn't and really threw his weight around. Who was that? The foreman, Mr. Walter Vernon. He never gave us sound reasons, just kept insisting Butler wasn't guilty. You mean he leaned on the others enough so that they changed their votes? Hour after hour, he argued until we were just about worn out from listening to him. The first change came when the jury was taken out to lunch. The men who had been seated on either side of Mr. Vernon changed their votes. At lunch the next day, he sat between two other jurors and... And they changed their votes? Yes. Hmm. Well, did they give any reason for the change? Not real reasons. They just hemmed and hawed some, but finally, the only two holdouts for a guilty verdict were one other juror and me. And then he leaned on you, too? At dinner, Mr. Vernon sat with a man who was siding with me and... And he changed. Yes. So, after dinner, you were the lone holdout? Mm-hmm. 
and I was determined to stand my ground when I got this message from an attendant. A message? Yes, about my son. He's in the army. The message said he'd be in town on a final furlough before being shipped over to West Germany. Well, naturally, I wanted to see him, so I went along with the others. That's understandable. But the message was a fake. A fake? My son called me this morning from camp. He knew nothing about the message. That's why I decided you should know about it. I'm very glad you did, Mrs. Golden. Do you think the foreman had anything to do with the phony message? I have no way of knowing. I just think it's strange. And I agree. Uh, Rick, uh, find this Vernon character and bring him in for questioning. <laughs> My pleasure, Chief. Believe me. Rick Bundy got Vernon into my office, and the ex-foreman of the jury acted just about as I figured he would. Well, I hope this won't take long, Mr. Dresden. I've got a very busy schedule, and most of the pressure I'm under was built up because of 30 days I spent on the jury duties. My, my desk is swamped. I understand. And I appreciate your coming down here, because this matter is of tremendous importance. It has to do with the verdict reached by the jury yesterday. Yes? We have a statement from a member of that jury to the effect that you seem to have exerted pressure upon certain jurors. Pressure? So under the influence of... of that pressure, they changed their views on the case. That's ridiculous. You deny the charge? Categorically. I think I see what you're trying to do. Now that you've lost the case, you're looking for a reason to justify it. Just a minute, Mr. Vernon. You it's can't... okay, Rick. Mr. Vernon is entitled to express his opinion. And you're also entitled to know, Mr. Vernon, that uh, I intend to investigate this charge thoroughly. So please remain available for further questioning. Come in. Vernon, what the hell are you doing here? I told you never to come to my office. I suppose you were followed. I'm sorry, Mr. Reno, but I had to see you, and I didn't dare talk over the phone. All right, all right. What's up? I just came from the DA's office. One of the jurors has charged that I was responsible for the acquittal of Brad Butler. The DA's going to investigate. All right, now relax. They can't prove nothing. Oh, I have a hunch they're really going to go after this one. And if the DA should find out about you being on it, he... I'm not in on it. Look, even though I did the actual pressuring, you were the one in back of it. Now, I demand the same protection you gave to Butler. Who is it? It's me, Brad Butler. All right, come on in. Close the door. Yeah, yeah, timing is great. You remember Mr. Vernon? Yeah. Hi, Vernon. You did a good job on the jury. Too good. We've got a problem. The DA smells a fix. He's starting an investigation. If he finds out what he's looking for, it means a new trial. Our friend Vernon here might do an El Foldo if the heat gets too strong. So, what do we do about it? Well, um, remember that, uh, that favor you owe me? Yeah. I remember. Mr. Reno, you got to do something to keep them from getting to me. I'm worried. Oh, now, don't worry. Butler here owes me a favor. He'll keep the DA and his men from getting to you. And he'll take care of your worries, too. How? It's very easy. <laughs> you don't kid around, do you, Brad? Not when I owe somebody. I like to get out of debt fast. <laughs> well, you paid in full. Now, get him out of here. It 
happens so slowly you hardly notice it. Your two-year-old car begins to drift, sway, and roll. It's like driving at sea. A set of Monromatic shock absorbers can help put you back on solid ground because the better the shock absorbers, the better your control. And Monromatic shocks adjust automatically to give you solid, automatic ride control. See your Monroe dealer. pain's a little one when it happens to your child. Camphophonique instantly stops pain of minor cuts, scrapes, or burns. What about infection? Camphophonique gently penetrates skin injuries to kill germs that can cause infection. So injuries can heal nature's way. Janie, feel better now? It stopped hurting, Mommy. For minor cuts, scrapes, burns. Camphophonique, the penetrating first aid medication, stops pain instantly, helps prevent infection. Camphophonique. <laughs> something we hadn't anticipated. Finding his body in Fairview Park gave a tremendous setback to any chance we might have had to prove that Brad Butler's acquittal was fixed. However, we managed to interview three more jurors and they expressed a willingness to repeat their testimony in court. I mentioned this to my assistant, Rick Bundy. One thing puzzles me. What's that, Rick? These jurors said they'd been intimidated by threats to reveal damaging facts from their pasts. Now, how did Vernon find out about these things? My theory is that he didn't. I think the information was passed on to him by somebody else. You think he was acting as a stooge for Butler? I don't think Butler has the brains for it. Now, we know that Butler's a professional killer. As such, he's hired by someone. And I think whoever hired him is the one who dug up the dirt on the jurors. Milton Dresden speaking. Yes. Oh, that's a damn shame. Yes, Thanks. Goodbye. What's up? Earlier, when the police reported the killing of Vernon, they also found the body of a cop a few feet away. He had two bullets in his chest. That phone call just now reported that he died a half hour ago. Okay, Brad, why is it so important to see me right now? As far as I'm concerned, the stuff hit the fan. Oh, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, I took Vernon's body out to dump it last night like we planned, and I brought him to the park like you said. Yeah, yeah. Well, just as I'm lifting this big hunk of meat out of the car and dragging it over to the hole I dug to plant him in, a cop comes out of nowhere. He starts with that, what's going on here, crap, so I don't take no chances. I'll let him have it. Why, you big jerk, you might as well have put a contract on yourself. The DA will turn the whole force loose to find a cop killer. Oh, that don't shake me none. Well, it shakes me. Now, I got a piece of this, too. Now, you get your stupid face out of sight and play Mickey Moe. Dig a hole and go underground. We did a lot of questioning, not only of the jurors, but of people who had been intimately acquainted with Vernon. Now, I couldn't put my finger on any one thing, but I got the definite impression that Vernon had been acting for someone else. My assistant, Rick, was hot on it. He did a lot of good legwork, then reported... I think I found something, Chief. Good. I checked into Vernon's business affairs pretty thoroughly. He's been having some problems. Like what? He's involved in several small enterprises. All were heavily mortgaged. One single mortgage held by, guess who, Bill Reno. How did Vernon get mixed up with that scum? Reno's got dough in a lot of legitimate businesses. You know that. Yeah, and don't tell me. Just before the trial, the mortgage was canceled. You called off is probably more accurate. There's no record of Vernon having paid them. It sounds like you had a busy day. Oh, busy enough. 
By the way, have you gotten the lab report on those clues the police picked up in connection with the cop killing? We've got the ballistic report on the two slugs that were in the officer's body, but of course we don't have any weapon to connect them with. All we're sure of right now is that they're thirty eights, and from the same gun that killed Vernon. How about the tire tread marks near the body? And the plaster cast came out clear, but nobody's had anything to compare them with. I think that for now we'll stick with a mortgage clue. Oh, what's our next ploy then? I'm going to pay Bill Reno a visit. Mr. Dresden, you know I'm quite impressed. After all, a district attorney doesn't call at my office every day. Uh, what's on your mind? Murder. Murder? Anyone in particular? Yeah, Walter Vernon. Walter Vernon? Should I know? I think so. You did business with him. I did? Oh? Yes, you uh, held a mortgage on several of his enterprises. Oh, that Walter Vernon. Hey, he was... Boy, he was kind of a nice guy. Who'd want to kill him? We believe a man by the name of Brad Butler killed him. But we don't believe he's the man who wanted him killed. Who's, uh, who's Brad Butler? He might be another business acquaintance of yours. He's a hitman, a professional killer. He was acquitted of a murder charge by a jury of which Walter Vernon was foreman. Why would he kill a guy who helped acquit him? Vernon was bribed to bring in that acquittal. And I think you did the bribing. <laughs> you, know, you know, you you legal beagles, you know, you kill me. Always deducting something whether it needs it or not. My suspicion is based on more than deduction. We've got some hard evidence. Oh, proof? Yeah, we'll have the proof when we pick up the man who dumped Vernon's body in Fairview Park. You see, we know the person who did that also shot a uh, policeman. The officer undoubtedly surprised him in the act. Deducting again, eh? Not entirely. The bullets that killed Vernon came from the same gun that wounded the officer. Oh, was he badly wounded? He's in the city hospital right now. The doctor tells us he should be well enough by tomorrow to be questioned. Well, I've got a uh, crowded schedule today, so I've got to go. Now, I'll contact you again as soon as we get the policeman's story. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to leave. You, know, you make the business of deducting sound very interesting. It should be more interesting to you tomorrow. Goodbye, Mr. Reno. If you get the policeman's story, you son of a... Peggy, get me Brad Butler on the phone right away. When we tell you Gold Formula Breck is the only leading shampoo that isn't mostly detergent, we're not putting you on. But because so many people have written to thank us for Breck, we decided to put some of them on. Patty Bunker of Piscataway, New Jersey, you're on. Dear Breck, I love your Breck shampoo for oily hair. It really works. Shampoos are in competition, so it probably feels good to know your product is so good. Gold Formula Breck. It has far less detergent, far more natural ingredients than any leading shampoo. And that's no put-on. And here's something else that's no put on. Right now, the Breck people have a very special offer for you. Because right now, it's Breck season. The sun and wind and water season when you depend on Breck protection for your hair. So to help you stock up, Breck will give you a $2 refund when you buy any three different Breck products. For details on how to get your $2 refund, just look for the colorful Breck season display at participating stores. There you'll find everything you need to keep your hair looking great all Breck season long. Offer void where prohibited by law. I know honesty is supposed to be the best policy, but when you're dealing with the likes of Bill Reno, well, uh, let's put it this way. 
I told him the officer had been wounded, but I purposely forgot to say fatally. I watched his face as I told him the officer would be able to talk the following day and caught the merest twitch of an eyelid. I was sure I knew his next move and set the trap for him. With a newspaper concealing my face, I watched from behind the fourth floor nurse's desk at City Hospital. Two detectives, each wearing a doctor's smock with a stethoscope dangling from a pocket, were waiting. One was at the fire escape window at the end of the hall beyond the dead officer's room. The other was at the nurse's desk pretending to be busy with reports. I called to the detective nearest me. Hey, Lou. Here comes Brad Butler. Signal your partner. Right. <coughs> he heard me. Now, you lousy pig. Now you can have a nice long rest. <coughs> Officers, hold it. Drop that knife, Officer. Hey. All right, now turn around. Why, you? Now, frisk him, Mike. Well, what do you know? This guy came well equipped. Not only a switchblade, but a 38. Now, what did you expect? Shotguns? No, Butler, we expected a 38. And when the boys at the lab fire into the water barrel, we know damn well the bullet markings will be exactly like those that killed Vernon and the police officer. Get your hands off of me! I take it easy! I want my lawyer and I want him fast! Lay off my standing! Butler, you amaze me. I thought you got all that venom out of your system when you stabbed those nice plump pillows we wrapped up in the blankets for you. That's what I think of you. Better save your spit, Butler. You've got a long, dry spell ahead of you. Put the cuffs on them, boys. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for things that make a happy day? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you found the love to grow and stay? Aren't you glad that we're pulling together? Aren't you glad that we're feeling free? Aren't you glad? 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 Aren't you glad just to be? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for feeling cool and clean all day? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you've done your best to stay that way? Aren't you glad? Glad we're getting together. Aren't you glad? Glad we both smile. Aren't you glad? Do you style? Aren't you glad? Do you style? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Do you style? Aren't you glad? I'm Rod Serling. Close your eyes. Exercise your imagination and join us again on our next presentation of The Zero Hour. The Villainous Verdict is a radio drama adapted by Glenn Hall Taylor. Dick Sargent was heard as Milhood Resident. Featured in the cast were Jim Bowles, Gene Gillespie, Peter Leeds, and Mike Ray. Zero Hour, created by J.M. Colas, directed by Don Hills, is produced in Hollywood for the Mutual Broadcasting System by Radio Productions Incorporated. Music is composed and conducted by Stanley D. Hoffman, Rochelle Sherman, associate producer. 
This has been a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System.